Anyone's Game podcast. Following women's football. Hello everyone, welcome to the Anyone's Game podcast. We've got a Scotland Under-19 special for you in this episode. As Pauline Hamilside have completed their triple header and secured promotion back to the top tier of the UEFA Championship Leagues. Three games and three wins in the end it was, beating Kazakhstan, Estonia and Kosovo all on home soil. Plus just four of the 20-strong squad come from outside the SWPL. So there's been plenty of familiar faces that have been on show at Ainsley Park and the Falkirk Stadium over the last week. I'm Gordon McComb and looking back over these last few games with me, it's Peter Quinn. Hey Gordon. Good to have you with us Peter. You and I made it to one each of the three games and watched others on the stream provided by the SFA media team. It was uh, good to get down and, and show some support as well. Yeah, it was really good. I thought there was quite a, a good atmosphere at the game. Certainly the Ainsley Park ones, you could you could even tell from the stream that the fans were getting really into it. And the Falkirk Stadium, there was a, a nice healthy atmosphere as well for quite an exciting game in the end. I watched that one on the stream and uh, yeah, uh, ticket was quite windy. It was a bit, yeah. Uh, it was <laughs> certainly chillier than I'd expected when I left the house that morning, that's for sure. Well, I guess we should start with just a general overview of the triple header. Like we said, the 3-0 win over Kazakhstan, 7-1 it was in the end over Estonia. And scoring late on to secure a victory, though technically only a draw was needed against Kosovo uh, in the final game. What do we make of the games as a whole, Peter? I think um, there's a, a very mixed bag over the three. I thought the Kazakhstan game, there was a, a lot of missed chances. Uh, that one probably should have been a, a more comfortable victory for us than the 3-0. Uh, Estonia, we, for the most part, took our chances and looked quite clinical, uh, really dangerous going forward. And then the Kosovo game, we were a bit sluggish to start off with. Uh, with the first half, I thought that the players might be taking a wee bit too long the ball, maybe the fatigue of having three important games so qu- uh, quickly after one another. But yeah, to manage to get the result shows the, the fighting spirit and determination. Um, despite conceding that, what was a 91st minute equaliser, I think, to go up the park and get that winner. Uh, even though, as you say, a draw was all it was need, shows the, the character that's going through that young team. Yeah, certainly it didn't, it didn't start easy uh, in the Kazakhstan game, a side that played really, uh, you know, a bank of five and a bank of four rather than, you know, the two banks of four that, that most are familiar with it. Um, really tried to suck the life out of the game. And I actually felt a little bit sorry for them to have not uh, found a way to get something to show for their effort on the scoreboard, striking the post in the second half. Um, but yeah, certainly a, a game where if Scotland had any complaints by the end of it, it was uh, a case of missing so many chances. Um, but like you say, put that to right in the Estonia game, uh, probably as clinical a side as I've seen um a Scotland side played in a long, in a long, long time. Uh, and then, yeah, Kosovo. Um, plenty of drama. Plenty of drama in, in your game. Yeah, it was it was physical, that's for sure. Uh, the, I thought that we used our our pace up front quite well for the most part. Uh, London Pollard was effective. I thought that Leila Lister ran her shots off. Ailey Adams didn't stop running all game long. Uh, we, again, we just maybe struggled a bit with picking the final pass or timing it nicely to match our runners. Uh, maybe a little bit off communication-wise at times and players not being on the same wavelength. Uh, Put paid to a couple of promising attacks. 
But uh, as I said, it's important to to get in the habit of winning those matches, even when you don't necessarily have your best ever match. And and they did that, and that's pretty much all you can ask. Well, you've read my mind on where we were going to go next, which was that you know which of the players stood out most for you. Obviously, um, plenty to pick from. There's a lot of rotation in, in Pauline Hamill's side, and um, I don't ever think we got. Aside from maybe in defence, I don't think we ever really got the sense of a, of a real settled player in this position um, type scenario. But yeah, pl- plenty of uh, decent performances. But but who stood out for you most? I, I was particularly impressed with players who looked like they were maybe playing a wee touch out of position. So uh, London Pollard kind of moved out wide right. Billy Hutchinson dropped into midfield. Leo Lester dropped into midfield in the Kosovo game as well. And at such a young age, that takes a it takes a lot of of character, a lot of intelligence in, in knowing your own game to work out how to adapt to those circumstances. Dropping out to play centre midfield is a completely different thing from what Bailey Hutchinson does for, for Aberdeen up top, usually. Um, but I thought that she was excellent. I thought Rebecca McAllister did quite well dictating the play in the first two matches. Uh, she was only recognised centre midfielder, I suppose, in the, the first match against Kazakhstan. And I thought that her passing was, was very good. She kind of controlled the match for the most part. Uh, defensively, I thought the first match Addy Handley had a, a really great game. Uh, the Hearts, Hearts right back, uh, she linked up well with Maria McEnany down the right-hand side. Obviously, we didn't see too much of, of either of them uh, after that, but uh, it's certainly interesting to see at Hearts that they've got a, a big contribution to that squad, and I think that the players can all come away from it with Lots of different positives to take. Amy Anderson getting the score sheet as well. Uh, another positive for them. Yeah, certainly one of the things that I, I picked out uh, in my notes from from the first game, uh, and I think it's more just cemented from from the games that followed, was how confident some of the players that are playing regularly in the SWPL looked at this level of football. That they just were happy to grab games by the scruff of the neck. Knew um, they had a little bit more freedom to play, and obviously. Um, and this is no slight on, on the opposition we played. I think there's probably a, a slight drop in quality to the, the players they're facing, partly just because of the, of the age and the experience of, of some of the uh, defenders and, uh, and the like that they faced. But certainly London Pollard was someone that stuck out to me in terms of dropping out into the right. And I sent you a message saying she's an absolute freight train because she was just crashing around, um, getting in the way, using her, using her strength, but also had the had the good technique to um, be that outboard to carry carry attacks forward in a position, like you say, in the wide right, that was perhaps uh, something she's slightly less used to. Uh, there were some question marks, though, and I think we kind of touched on it slightly by by speaking about the, the wide areas where it went so well in a defensive sense. But at centre-half, uh, Jess Broderick, Kenzie Weir, probably the two that got the most minutes out of, out of anyone and actually perhaps the two that, that struggled the most. Yeah, I think so. I think the, the Kazakhstan match, they looked fairly comfortable for the most part. Uh, and from that point on, maybe dropped off a little bit. Uh, both have very good pace, which I think helped them get out of trouble uh, at different points. But it was a yeah, it was a bit of a mixed bag for them. Uh, and again, you've got different goalkeepers, different midfielders in front of you, different fullbacks. It can be sometimes difficult to manage to keep the consistency across the three matches. So that's maybe played a part for them as well. Um, but again, the more that they play together, the more they'll they'll continue to grow. And especially with the depth that we've got in defence, with Tegan Browning and Robin McCafferty 
barely being used as well, and they're regular starters in the in the SWPL. So we have options there, and I think that as the players play together more and and grow together as a team, then we'll start to see some more consistent performances from the defence. Yeah, I do think that's a a big caveat as well in terms of saying that you know two two your regular seven halves are struggling. It's it's important to remember that, like you said, Rebecca McAllister at times the only recognised centre midfielder. Um, plenty of plenty of what I would suggest are, are more recognised as forwards filling in positions over the park, and that's going to happen um, in youth football. You're trying to find a way to give um, players experience and give players uh, minutes in ways that are useful to them, but also uh, give yourself a side that's capable of winning matches because dropping down into into League B is not necessarily where Scotland want to be and to be able to return back to the top table uh, important going forwards Yeah, I think you can tell that the, the quality of that squad and the experience that they've got in the SWPL they're good enough to be in that League A uh, I, th- I think that uh, it'll be interesting that they can they can take away some some different lessons some positives from their experience in this group, but very much they'll feel like they're they're back where they should be, back where they belong, and they want to push on and make an impression in the top t- uh, top tier. For Hearts, as, as we've already touched on, uh, a lot of representation uh, in the squad, as well as Aberdeen and Celtic, uh, Celtic two of the players on loan actually at Hearts uh, as well. So there's a, a little bit of a mixed bag there of, of SWPL sides uh, contributing to the squad. Spartans too, obviously with Alicia Yates and Rob McCafferty, you've already heard about as well. So what we're starting to see then it becomes sort of like a feedback loop of uh, of players playing the SWPL. They do well. They get called up for Scotland. You know, we'll, we'll make the we'll put the point of the context in terms of it being the under 19s But you know, the expectation that they progress from from there onwards. Uh, but playing international football and getting international experience helps them improve. They go back into the SWPL, uh, improve the SWPL through that as well. It's just uh, such a good advert for Scottish football. This uh, this squad and, and this success has been. Definitely. And I think as well, you're starting to already see the benefits of that when these players are coming back to their sides and they're clearly leaders on the park because they've had this experience of playing alongside their fellow kind of young talents in the SWPL and they come back to their club and they can take up these leadership roles. They can help organise the defence, for example, or uh, Rachel Johnson was extremely vocal uh, in the match against Kosovo and I think that's something that you see in her game at Celtic as well and um, working with Chloe Logan uh, as well that'll, that'll help her because that's another very good communicator and goals uh, for her to learn from and I think right across the park you can see the players starting to take more responsibility and try to play a, a bigger role uh, and that's going to be a, a massive bonus for their own individual clubs and the SWPL as a whole Yeah, certainly hopefully a, an advert for those who don't pay so much attention to the SWPL that the coverage this uh, triple header has got that maybe encourages uh, more folk to uh, commit on a, on a weekly basis to, to spend their Sundays um, seeing players they've already watched in, in this triple header. And speaking of seeing players regularly, one of the things uh, I have as a part of our talking points for the podcast was the coverage of the games themselves, obviously streamed uh, through the Scotland national team social media channels, uh, not just match footage, you had coverage of, uh, you had commentary uh, provided by Andy Barge and Amy Canavan and uh, Chris Marshall as well on CoCom for those three games. It sets a standard going forward for coverage that we should, I guess, start to expect from from Scotland in terms of there's a lot of young 
like ourselves, young, interested people wanting to wanting to cover Scotland and interested in covering Scotland and um, to give people that opportunity that perhaps can't make it to the stadium for for one reason or another uh, to watch the game. The more I, I, I'm always of the opinion that the more ways you give uh, people to watch games, the more likely you are to get them watching. The more likely you are to get them uh, down and, and and giving you money or or supporting the the game in any way, shape, or form. But what was your uh, perspective on on the coverage of the games, Peter? I thought it was excellent. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. On kind of YouTube and Twitter uh, were kind of the, the two ways that I managed to to find it and and to watch the coverage of the the matches. And I thought the the commentary team did a great job. Uh, I really did. I think you know these are people who who follow the league pretty intensely, and they that showed that showed through with their commentary abilities and their knowledge of the players. I think they did a great job, and it was uh, a really enjoyable watch, to be honest. And there was the the men's under twenty ones that was uh, shown on BBC Scotland as well. I don't remember if there's any others uh, from the younger teams that that had uh, TV coverage in, in one way or another. Uh, a bit important just for Scotland as a whole that there are ways to see the to see the younger teams and to grow support for the younger teams and uh, basically grow that expectation that. Perhaps it's not just the A sides at Hamden that that folk can get across and support and and show them you know just because you just because there's games in Edinburgh and you stay maybe up in Aberdeen so you can't get to the game there's still a way you can uh, you can get involved and, and and keep up your interest. All right, well, all that's left for us to do is to uh, to round things out. Obviously, an impressive uh, three wins, uh, plenty of positives to take. A little bit of you know a couple of negatives, a couple of concerns going forward for Pauline Hamill, but. Uh, the most important thing was making sure we achieved promotion back to League Eight. That's been accomplished, and uh, at least for the Estonian game, it was accomplished in, in some style. So, credit to all the SWPL One players who who were involved and the four others that uh, joined from other parts of the country as well. Well, we're recording this on a Tuesday, and uh, for those who haven't been paying attention to the socials, uh, there is one big game happening tonight as well. Uh, and that's Scotland versus Spain. Uh, Peter, we've been keeping tabs through anyone's game on Scotland's qualification process. Uh, talked a lot about the challenges the women's A side has faced. And is this one where perhaps we look into this game and it's more about performance than it is result? I would think so, yeah. I mean, Spain have shown that they're a, a really high quality side. It would be fantastic if we can get something from the game but I, I think first and foremost it has to be set the foundation for you know kind of the, the rest of the upcoming fixtures and make sure that we manage to put in a performance that the players can come off the park with their heads held high knowing that they've you know competed well and really challenge the Spanish side in any way they possibly can and make the game as difficult as possible for them don't let them kind of come in and get an easy easy result and coast through the game because I think that that's something that the the manager will be keen to to get into the players before the start. That it's not going to be another of these kind of heavy qualifying defeats that you see, uh, whether it's you know kind of England or Spain handing out really big score lines to some other other, uh, other nations in the qualifying. So yeah, I think there's definitely going to be some lessons that can be learned from from this game, and hopefully. We can make a, a close, exciting encounter and try to get the fans on side to see if that can make a big difference as well. Well, like you say about the fans, there's a 
predicted about 8,000 attending at Hamden tonight. Uh, hopefully, by the time you listen to this, you you know, we'll, we'll break the, the record for uh, uh, an attendance at a game like this. And 8,000 would certainly do that. But hopefully, when that number increases a little bit more than, than our predictions. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, it should be a, an interesting game. If you are listening to it ahead of it, make sure you get yourself along to it or you watch it on BBC Alba tonight. Uh, and if you have been across to it, let us know how, how it was, how you got on. And uh, yeah, interested to hear. Uh, but all that's left for us to do now is to wrap and say thank you very much to Peter for joining me for this and for being across at the Full Crack Stadium for game number three, the, the drama game against Cottable. Yeah, thanks very much. I certainly picked a, an exciting one to go to. I thank you to you all for listening in as well. You'll hear us in the next one. Bye-bye.